0: Wow, somebody ought to tell him that. All right, hey, good to see you guys. I'm glad to be here today with you. Glad that we get to be a family together. And uh, man, I am, I'm excited about this season that we're going into. I'm hoping that each one of you grabbed a purple book or that you do grab a purple book. We have it both in English and in Spanish, if necessary. The idea behind the purple book is that uh, as we go through this next year, So there's two parts happening. But as we go through this next year, as you'll see, there are uh, 12 chapters, 12 chapters, and each chapter is broken into four or five lessons. Now, I know there's many overachievers in here. Turn it down. (laughs) Like, let your overachieving be chewing A lot on one lesson per week at a time. Don't run through it. The point is to let it just marinate and so that we disciple one another together and be discipled together. It's gonna take about a year. It's okay you've been like you are for a long time and so it's just give it a year and we'll get some discipleship according these are these are 12 pillars of the of uh, biblical principles that we all live by or are called to live by uh, as believers there's no denominational bent to this this is just scripture super easy there's going to be applicable questions and the address to where you can find the verse that answers it and then you write it according to how you're interpreting what scripture says back so it helps you to get foundation of scripture inside of your soul so that you know how to Uh, defend your faith or communicate your faith or stand firm on situations and circumstances how to live out your faith how to apply faith in different uh, genres or scenarios or domains spaces of life and so you're going to begin to cognitively respond out of the very practices that you put into place based on each lesson at a time is that good Wow, you're like, that's better than I know. I don't quite know what you said, but I'm just gonna do one lesson at a time and see what happens. So so I'm with you. I'm that guy. So hey, also... And your tribe, we're hoping that you join a Thrive Tribe as well, because that's where you get your family, that's where you get your pastoring, that's where you get your needs met on a, day, a weekly and a daily basis, because that's where connections start to come in, and we all need those relationships, those, those family relationships, connections, those people that we can, uh, we can entrust things to when necessary and as needed. Now, I'm going to give you another perspective, because here's a reality, we're about to play a video, here's a reality of how life is for us as humans, when we don't have tribes and why we need a tribe. Y'all play this. While remaining a part of the herd, antelope finds strength in numbers. With a large group, it's harder for predators to pick out individuals. Being the fastest animal on land has its advantages. Traveling over 71 miles per hour, the cheetah chases down its prey. Outside of the group, the antelope is found alone and is no match for this predator. Life is better, safer and more fun in the company of others. Find the right herd for you at livewithpurpose.church/tribes. There you can search for small groups or what we call tribes. After all, birds of a feather flock together. So come on, grab this opportunity by the horns. Join a group today. <laughs> hey, no <laughs> Nobody wants to get get caught slipping, and so that's what's going to happen if you're not in the tribe. All right, you're out there on your own trying to do life, and you're going to get caught up. So you want people around you to help defend off. So hey, also Faith Fest, as you saw coming in, there's uh, two tables, high tables, high top tables out there with a lot of paper on it. That's just not a mess. We didn't leave a mess out, and we forgot to clean it up. That is for you to find a spot and say, hey, here's where I can plug into Faith Fest. Faith Fest. And Faith Fest is a time where we come together. We're going to come together right here. Thank you for playing that. And we did this last year, first year. We didn't know what to expect. We had 2,000 people show up. That's a success, by the way. And so we had uh, about, yes, thank, there you go. I love it. We're engaged. About six churches uh, come together, and and then we serve the community. And there was a lot of people from the community that uh, are unchurched. And so we were honored to be able to serve them. For uh, for all day long on, on it was Halloween that, that year last year and this year it's going to be Sunday October 30th we're going to shut down our buildings uh, as about eight ten churches and then we're going to come together out at Kane's, at the Cain Center. We're going to have an outside worship set and service for the church at 11 a.m. till 12. From 12 to 2, the churches are going to eat together and fellowship together and get to know one another on a personal level. At 2, the community is going to be coming out. Yes, that was the airplane dropping candy. We actually are supposed to have two airplanes dropping candy this year. So we're, expected anywhere, we're expecting anywhere... That's a good-looking beard on that dude. Anywhere from 4 to 6,000 people this year. And so between the times they'll be coming out, between 2 and 6, we'll have another worship service and speaker coming in to speak around 5, 530. And so as soon as they're done, airplanes are coming through and kids are getting candy. And so we need everyone to take part in this. Uh, but it's going to take morning morning uh, setup all the way until after 6 to, to almost 8 o'clock shutdown that's about what it took last year and so this is a time where we can all fellowship together as one big church one big church family and get to know one another that's what it looked like last year we ask you please 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 plug in and find a part even if it's a an one hour sec- segment a 30 minute segment there's they're broken up into pieces out there and so we're going to be serving along in these different teams with other churches as well and so we're just getting to know the body of christ is that good all right. All right. Very good. Yes. It's going to be exciting. We're going to see a lot of people get saved, I guarantee you. Uh, so the other, another thing is uh, we are starting a new series. Starting a new series. We talked about the Holy Spirit last, last series, and, and I hope you saw that. If you didn't, I really encourage you to go back to YouTube and watch those at uh, Thrive CC Athens and check them all out. I hope that the Holy Spirit will do a work in you and, and to you, through you. But this decrypted is the name of this series uh, it's discerning the will of god for my life discerning discerning the will of god for your life and so we, we often hear the word encrypted like when you maybe you have i know on my computer i use a macbook i'm a mac dude and so i can encrypt the things that i put into my trash and get rid of it so that no one can ever figure out what it was or there's encrypted texts through say like whatsapp i believe it's encrypted or some of these other apps whenever it texts it's encrypted The person who's supposed to get it can get it clearly, but if any others were to break in, they would be all jumbled in a bunch of letters like this. It would be encrypted. Well, sometimes we feel like God's word is like that, like it's encrypted. I have no idea what this is, and I don't know what God wants from me, and I don't know what he has for me fully. I've heard some stories. I've seen some people. i watched my grandma my grandfather. But well, what does it mean for me? It's so much jumbled letters and words and, and things put together. But, well, we're going to decrypt the Word of God. Great. Thank you. It's one person's excited. <laughs> <laughs> At least one person will discover the will of God for their life in this next. But we're, that's, what, that's the journey we're about to be on. And we're going to start on a very, very basic level. We're actually going to, it's, it's, it's basic, but it's the most important uh, step. But we're gonna pull from the book of Nehemiah throughout this series and we're gonna go ahead and jump to chapter two as we do start. And the book of Nehemiah is actually the book we started this church on. We saw a need, we saw brokenness, we saw spaces, we saw gaps, we saw a space that that and I went we went around and talked to other pastors and said, Hey, we don't wanna just do the same thing that other churches are doing. Here's what's in our hearts. Will this work here? And the response was, you won't be stepping on anyone's toes if you do that. And so we knew that there was a felt need in this community to bring this church right here. And I think God has been establishing, every, establishing it ever since then. And so we're going to pull from the book of Nehemiah, Or Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes. Um, he was a cupbearer, meaning he he wasn't the one who would necessarily and this is what a lot of people believe that he would taste the wine and he would give or anything in a cup and he would didn't give it to the king no he would oversee a team of people that oversaw a full process of production of wine or any drink he had production to the preparation, to the packaging, to the pouring. This was a team of people because there was a lot of people in this kingdom. And so therefore, he had to oversee many, many team members, many people in this ministry, in this space, in this responsibility. And so he would be one who confirmed that, yes, there was someone who is very trusted who tasted this in front of me, or they tasted it in front of a trusted individual on my team, and they didn't die, <laughs> so I can verify that this wine here is good for you to drink, king, here you are. And so, many things, and, and so the reality is that many kings were actually poisoned this way. And this was a way to get to the king, a very silent and sneaky way to get to the king. Well, this would also mean that Nehemiah would, was, had, had great favor with the king because he was a great responsibility. He had, he had personal interaction with the king. And this is life and death situations. This isn't modern day technology where there are security cameras everywhere and we have the FBI and the CIA and we had the KGB and all. It wasn't like that. This was, if you look funny, you're going to die. Something ain't right. Discernment was the case that was the CIA. And so this is how it worked. So let's start at this, Nehemiah 2, 1 and 6. says, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, in fact, they have been destroyed for some time now. This is at the end of a 70 year uh, exile that that, that God's people, the Israel, the Hebrews had been placed in because of their unwillingness to return their hearts back to God. Jeremiah the prophet came and proclaimed and, and, and pro, uh, prophesied by, by the will, by the Spirit of God that, hey, listen, if you don't turn your hearts back to God, then there will be an exile for 70 years. They chose not to listen to God, and so therefore they were brought into exile by the Persians, and the Persians were defeated by the Babylonians, and this now is a Babylonian king. And so there, there has been one group released, and this is where you see the book of Ezra, released to go back to Jerusalem, go back to Israel, to go back to begin to, they were supposed to begin to restore the temple. Now, this is where we're caught up to where nehemiah comes into play here he says but long i've said uh long live the king how can i not be sad the the gates are still destroyed they're still in ruins then the king asked well how can i help you and with prayer with a prayer to the god of heaven this is this, this might help a lot of us you know what i mean like there's about to be a situation and instead of just reacting and responding i just let me just pray real quick this is where we get our, our principle and pray first when we pray our twenty one days of prayers, one we just came out of. Maybe we just pray first. It might might take us out of a lot of issues and a lot of problems. It might keep us away from getting into a lot of bickering and and, and heartbrokenness, etc. But he says in verse five, I replied, "If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried." The king, with the, queen, with the queen sitting beside him, by the way, this was believed to be Esther because this would have been the time that, that Esther would have been the queen. And so the queen sitting behind, beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Can I just add this little piece here? So many times, he had great favor with the king. He had great favor and responsibility and obviously obviously trust right here because there had been a group also that tried to come and bring restoration and the king denied their possibilities and so this is why this is why nehemiah was a little also a little reluctant thinking that he may get turned down too but can i tell you this many believers pray for favor with their employees when that favor can just be earned by doing above and beyond what is expected that's a little free piece, all right all right, and so the literal reason though Nehemiah was sad was because of the Jews and, and Judah. Now his family was, the families where his, places where his family was buried were was laid in ruins, yes, but a lot of his family was still there as well. And they were in a desolate place. They still hadn't come back and restored the, the workings of the temple, et cetera. They still hadn't restored the walls that protected, because walls are about protection uh, of Jerusalem and Judah. And so the literal reason was that he was, he was concerned about them. But if we were to take it a step further back, he was talking about his family. He was talking about his kinsmen. He was talking about uh, his fellowship, his relatives. He was talking about his community of family. They were very close. Like they took care of one another. Though they may not be blood, they were by faith family. And because they had sinned before the Lord, his, his and their city was left in ruins. And so when we, we talk about God's will for you, I want, I want you to understand how important family is to him. Because it wasn't just that the people, the city was in ruins, but the people's lives were in ruins. So there was a physical manifestation, meaning there's a physical burning down, there's a physical ruining, there's a physical walls were down, there was a physical, physical gaps in the, in the walls of the of Jerusalem, but there was also walls broken down in their lives. There was ruins that were destroying their lives personally. And so, what is God's will for you? Number one, is to adopt you into his family. He just wants to be family. He's not looking for slaves. In fact, he releases us out of slavery and out of bondage into family. And so his number one goal is to adopt us into family. In fact, all three points are going to come from one verse today, and it's Ephesians 2.19. It just happens to be that our students are studying this same passage as well, uh, 2.10 through 2.19. Come on, Thrive students. Where you at? All right. And says now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Isn't that good news? He says now you're a member of the household of God. But let me just let's just think about that. You're now God's child in the Lord. So the people sitting next to you, they're your brothers, they're your sisters. No, that's my wife, but that's still your brother. That's still your, your sister. You're still one another. You're still together. You're still family. You're still part of something that is beyond you. We all, following salvation, have been in, adopted into the family of God. And Ephesians 3 14 through 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Lord, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom notice these family comments. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth, not just heaven, not just the one day, it's the day, this day, and earth is named. And I don't know if you see church as a family, but that's what it is. Though it's, though it's a need to be organized, it's not an organization, it's an organism that breathes life and gives life into every and all that are involved. That's what a church does, and church is. And people are the church, brothers and sisters. And in a family, in a healthy family, there's privileges, there's rights, but there's responsibilities too. There's responsibilities. And in a good family, you're giving those children, your children, responsibilities really early so they understand the value of principle and and, and responsibilities. But let me tell you what's great about being in a family everybody knows your faults and they love you, right? Everybody everybody sees your blind spots, the stuff that you ignore, that you think is not even there, or you think it's not real, but they see it and they love you anyway, right? Hallelujah. And in fact, the more your family, uh, they see your weaknesses and they still love you. In fact, the more your family uh, finds healing, confesses, and they they find healing from one another and pray for one another, and they're recovering from their mess, their faults, their quirks, their weird uh, intricacies. They overcome, and then they accept you even more because they know how messed up they can be. Isn't that great? <laughs> like. I'm- Hey, family, I need you to get more healing so you can realize how messed up you are so you don't judge me, so you can love me, right? And insane. same. Like, we need that for, for one another, from one another. Even in a family where uh, there's love, when, when you got this crazy Uncle Eddie who shows up in front of your house, at, uninvited, by the way, and all of a sudden, he's in his robe outside of his RV, <laughs> dumping his sewer into, the, into the, the street drain, and he's saying, Hey, smoking a cigar, well, welcome home, Uncle Eddie. He loved, that guy is full of love. And you love that guy because you just accept Uncle Eddie for who he is. He's crazy. <laughs> this is what he does. We love him. And the great thing about being in a family is that people know your quirks and they love you anyway. They don't love your quirks, but they love you. Right? It's those little things that just, oh, but I love them. Oh, I wish they didn't do that, but I love them. And they have been grafted into a bigger, we have been grafted into a bigger family. And not only the bigger family, but the most influential and the most powerful family in all the world. Man, when you think about that. If you just meditate and ponder on that, I have been grafted into the most powerful, most influential family in the world. You mean like more, strong, more, more famous and more, more powerful than the Walton family? yes. We are more powerful than the family that owns and started Walmart. <laughs> For some, that may be hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> Even Warren Buffett, yes, the Buffett family has nothing on us. You got to grab a hold of that. All right, Psalms 68, 6. Here's the good news. God sets the solitary in families. You know what solitary also means? Lonely. The sense of destitute internally. The ones who think, I have no one, God says, nope, yes, you do. I'm setting you in a family. You have everyone. That's good news. And if you want to be part of a family, all you have to do is accept Jesus as your Savior. And if you want to get known by your family and and know your family, that's why we have small groups. That's why we have Thrive Tribes. All you have to do is click on the QR code, register, sign up, but you also have to show up. And not only do you have to show up that one time, you have to keep showing up. Because everything that's inside of you is gonna fight saying, I don't know, I won't be accepted, they're not gonna they're gonna go like me, I'm not gonna belong, I don't this is not my purpose, I don't know who I am, I don't know why I'm even gonna do this, all that stuff you're gonna to have to bring under the truth of God's word and say, You know what, this is my family. I need to get to know my family and I need to allow my family to get to know me. Yes. Yes, and this is exactly where you used to get pastored. This is where your needs are met. This is where you start to talk to them. They talk to you. They pray for you. Maybe you pray for them. And when in doing so, in that relationship building, the Holy Spirit shows up, and God meets your needs through your tribe, through your family, and you were wondering, why was I, should I even come to this thing or not? And the very thing that you need gets met in that tribe. Why do you think there's so much adversity around getting in small groups? Why do you think it's so hard to commit to a small group because hearts get real, revelation comes about, transparency, vulnerability, but healing follows every bit of that. I need healing. Therefore, out of discipline, I surround myself with people that I can trust and allow them to see in my life. I need you to have that too. The right in this family, though, there's privileges. Uh, There's privileges and there's responsibilities and there are rights. The right in this family is unconditional love. The responsibility in this family is unconditional love. In other words, the great thing about being in a family is the absolute unconditional love that you get, but the responsibility is that you absolutely unconditionally love every person around you. Did you hear the unconditional part? The when they don'ts, you love them anyway. Or the when they do's, you love them anyway. And then when the quirky things just keep popping up like popcorn, you're moving it out of the way and you're saying, I love you anyway. And in fact, it's the 11th commandment. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another another yes the privilege is that everyone loves you and accepts you but the responsibility is that you love and accept others just as they are there are in fact many one another's in church in uh, in, in the scripture to serve one another to care for one another to pray for one another to give to one another to be kind to one another uh, so one has said our role is to one another one another the Bible is telling us how to be family and how to treat others well. Gives us principle around it. Uh, Ephesians, sorry, God's will for you. Number two is to make you a member of his, of his body. Member of his family, a member of his body. Ephesians two nineteen again. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're a member of the household of God. Ephesians five thirty says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And somehow we have disconnected being a part of his body from Jesus himself. Uh, We are parts of the fullness thereof. We we come together and we become something that is very powerful through the unity, uh, uh, but in Jesus Christ. Through unity in Christ, we are the most powerful entity in the world. In Ephesians 5, he's talking about marriage but he says, what I'm actually communicating about is Christ and his church. And what this tells me is when it tells me that the Bible is that in the Bible that I'm the bride of Christ and I'm part of his body, then Christ is going to nourish me and he is going to cherish me as his own body. And the reason I'm a part of his body, and that, because that, that's the reason I'm a part of his body. And so I want to be a part of his body. He cares for me. He takes care of me. He meets my needs. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 says, He put all things together under his feet, all things under his feet. Notice the body parts. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the fullness of him? The church. We are his body. Just imagine this. Jesus is actually the head. And the body is right here of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. And the people we meet with on October 30th, they also are an extended, they're the body of Christ. And we come together as the body of Christ. Can you separate the head from the body and still be alive? I think there was a movie about this a long time ago in the 80s where this person had these different brains of these people keeping them alive. Like, it didn't work. It was such a silly movie. Can you? Okay. Am, am I? I am a part of His body, and you are too. If you have received His grace, you are a part of the literal body of Jesus Christ. Things have changed since He left. He says, "You are My body." It also says Scripture says, "He is the head." By the way, if someone is attacking you, they are attacking Him. And this is really good news. Therefore, you don't have to take offense or get offended when people start to come against you. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. So when Satan starts to use others, even brothers and sisters, to attack you, they're not attacking you, they're attacking him in you. And whenever they attack him in you, he shows up to protect you, but he's asking you to pause like Nehemiah did and take a prayer before you respond next. The right is that he is going to take care of me and protect me, but what is the responsibility? The responsibility is that I need to treat others as being a part of the body, too. How you treat Jesus is how you treat others. How you treat others is how you treat Jesus. How you treat me is how you treat Jesus. How I treat you is how I treat Jesus. How about this one? How you treat your spouse is how you treat Jesus. You ever chewed anyone out? See, see, people can hold on to their silence for so long, but it eventually just starts to come out, right? That's the power of a pause right there, by the way. When you choose somebody out you choose jesus out can you separate the head from the body no people are the church we can't love the head and dislike the body let me tell you where jesus says this matthew 25 34 through 40 says then the king will say to those on the right hand come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world Or in prison, and come to you, and the king will answer and say to them, "Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it for the least one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. My brethren, my family, my body, you did it to Jesus. Isn't that eye opening? It's revelatory, right?" because it makes me start to change how, how I treat others, how I think towards responding and, and communicating with others and dealing with others. Because I'm, when I I'm respond to you, I'm responding to Jesus. When I say to you, when I say to my spouse, when my spouse says to me, when I say to my brothers and sisters, it's Jesus that I'm talking to. It's Jesus that you're talking to. In Acts 9, one through five, Then Saul, still breathing threats under murder against the disciples of the Lord. Under the disciples of the Lord. Just drive that home right there. He went to the high priest. And asked letters from him to the synagogues and of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light, stone around, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard the voice of him to, uh, saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now notice he was persecuting the disciples, but Jesus shows up on the scene and says, you're not persecuting them, you're persecuting me. It is hard for you to kick against the goat. So when you criticize the people, you're criticizing Jesus. When we talk negatively about brothers, sisters, we're criticizing Jesus. We're talking negatively about Jesus. And it's great that we are a part of the individual body. It's wonderful. But when you say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, or, or saying, you're saying, I, I like the head, but I don't like his body. Anybody ever heard the term butterface? <laughs> for you who don't know, let me just enlighten you. It's a question <laughs> everything looks good, but her face, butterface. So, so if I I love Jesus, but I'm just not so sure about the church. It's a but his body. I love everything about him, but his body. Because so and so, or such and such, or they do this, or they don't do that, or they like this, or they don't like, but his body believer. Anybody, but his body believers in here, don't raise your hands. It's a great privilege, but it's also a great responsibility. Yeah, it's, a great, it's great that we're individually in the body, but we should want others to be in the body as well, and that requires us to love others as Christ, to love others as Himself, not only to love those who are in the church, a part of the body, but those who are outside of the body. Because it's that love for one another that draws them in to be, bring, become curious so that the Holy Spirit can do the rest of His work. Number three, what's the will of God? to appoint you a citizen in his kingdom. Ephesians 2, 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of his, the household of God. Fellow citizens. Isn't that great news? Colossians 1, 13 says, For he has rescued us from the king of darkness, kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear sons. I went from being in the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and the kingdom of, the, of, of his dear son in an instant. When I gave my life to Jesus, it changed in an instant. It didn't take, it wasn't over time I became out of darkness and I became a child of the sun. No, it was instant in Christ. By his blood, by his grace. Nothing that I did except for receive his grace that he was offering up. Immediately I became a new citizen and I have all the rights into his kingdom. I have the right to unconditional love. I have the right to forgiveness. I have the right to joy, I have the right to peace. I have the right to righteousness because of what he did. When, am I, when I'm going through a terrible experience in my life, you may ask, well how do you have so much peace and so much joy because I know who my king is and I know my rights as a citizen in his kingdom. I'm an heir. When I'm going, uh, here are some, some rites right here, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That means these outward things are great, but they're not kingdom. Evidence that an individual is living out, living out citizenship in the kingdom is that they're walking in peace and joy. And that only comes because they understand the relationship, through relationship with the Holy Spirit, their right standing before God. So you can't have peace and joy without righteousness. And you can't have peace and joy without being made right with God. And now that I'm in right standing with God, I am righteous, therefore I have, right, I have peace and I have joy which is one of our core values is to choose joy because sometimes we forget that we have a right to joy i don't like what's going on you have a right to be full of joy and peace or not it's up to you do you know why it's okay did you know it's okay to have joy as a christian it is but hey it's (laughs) It's okay, you may walk into some gatherings and it seems like it's illegal in those gatherings to have joy because of the somberness of the community, but it's okay. In fact, it's a good thing. In fact, our, our, our whole way we, way we lead church and the kids ministry, if you ever go back there, you see kids are having fun and learning about God. The, the adults are having fun and teaching about God. That's the whole mo right here: is to have fun so that you'll learn about God. In fact, the most conducive thing to get you to learn about God is to have fun, because if you're enjoying it, you're grasping it, and you're understanding it, you're loving it, you're, you're coming back. The way we get you to come back, we we have your kids saying, "I want to go to that church that has fun." Yes. And my responsibility is to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit, so. His convictions lead me to live righteously, now that I'm right standing. And without the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you into all truth, we're going to wander a path that's unknown. But, he, but Jesus, giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us into righteousness, to convict us of our righteousness. That's not who you are. And when we're humble and surrendered, then we, we quickly repent we quickly come into alignment we quickly readjust you know why nehemiah was so sad because the children of israel had not lived righteously they were living their own ways out even their personal walls were torn down god had been calling them back to himself been calling them back to himself Been calling them And they had refused to obey the commands of god because of their own desires and the Apostle Paul had been beaten many times prior to this moment, I'm about to tell you. Now, I don't think Paul enjoy, enjoyed the beatings, but he oftentimes talked about the scourging, the beatings that he had. And in fact, in this moment of this verse that I'm about to read, there's a man with a whip in his hand about to whip him, about to beat him again. And he says, he says something, and so the man stops, and he takes him to his commander. And Paul says it like this, Acts 22:27. 27 Then the commander he says I'm a citizen by the way. Then the commander came and said to him Tell me, are you a Roman? See, God is using a natural principle to give us a spiritual principle. You need to follow. Are you a Roman? He said yes. Paul said, the commander answered with a large sum of I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. And I want you to apply this because you and I weren't born citizens. of the kingdom of the Son of Light, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of all the universe. We weren't born citizens. And when we became citizens, we didn't pay the hefty price that this commander paid to be in a Roman citizen. But someone did pay the price. And that was Jesus himself. We couldn't pay that debt. So he did for all of us. Love paid a debt that we would never be able to pay so that we could be citizens into a kingdom we would never be able to earn our way into, so that we could have the rights of unconditional love, forgiveness, joy, peace, to be in right standing with God the Father. But we also have a responsibility. Freely you have received and in every quirk, every fault, every attack, every misunderstanding, every hurtful moment, freely we give back away. Can't just want the rights and the privileges without being willing to live out the responsibilities as well. So I wanna pray for you today because you can be a part of this family. You can be a, a citizen to the kingdom of God and you don't even have to earn it. All you have to do is receive it by grace, by faith. And it's His grace that will give you all of these privileges, all of these rights, with the expectation that you'll too give those away. I want to pray for you if you're there. You just repeat after me. Lord, I thank you for paying a debt that I could not afford. For allowing me access into a kingdom I was not a citizen of, for adopting me into a family when I had no family, to bringing me to be a member of your household. I receive that grace and I receive the right of joy, I receive the right of peace, I receive the right of unconditional love, I receive the right of forgiveness, and Holy Spirit, I just ask that you fill me up to help me walk out a righteous life because I received the right to being right standing before God the Father. From here, through all eternity. So Holy Spirit, help me to love unconditionally. Help me to forgive quickly. Help me to choose joy. Help me to walk in peace when I don't understand. And help me to draw others in to this wonderful kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And I just want to know if the Holy Spirit's talking to you today. Just a show of hands. Show of hands. Yeah, He did something in my heart. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. So, Father, we just pray for everyone that your your peace that surpasses understanding just falls and changes all of our hearts and all of our minds. And thank you that we get to come to a place like this. That no matter what has gone on through the week or is coming in the next week. We find times of reconciliation, restoration, repentance, and and healing, Lord. We We pray over every person, every family, every relationship, every marriage, all finances. If you need prayer for any of these, there's going to be a prayer team after this. Don't forget to join a tribe.